Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. I just want to talk to you about Jesus for the next few minutes. Is that okay? I want to talk to you about the last week of his life and the things that he said and the charges and challenges that he laid before you and I that last week of his life. We look at all four Gospels, and each one of them contain a story of the last week of Jesus Christ. In in Matthew, we recognize when we read the whole book, he reveals Jesus as king. In Mark, he reveals Jesus as the servant. In Luke, he reveals Jesus as a compassionate man. And in John, he reveals him as Messiah, God himself. Interesting point, only Matthew and Luke record the birth and the lineage of Jesus Christ. Mark and uh, John do not dwell on that whatsoever. Matthew and Mark focus on his Galilean ministry, or where it was based from Capernaum. And then when you go on down through Luke, you'll see that Luke focuses on his Perean ministry, and that's the area east of the Jordan that we now know as Jordan. And then John focuses on his ministry to Jerusalem and to the Jews in general. Matthew presents Jesus as the Messiah, the fulfillment of every Old Testament prophecy and hope in Jesus Christ. Mark portrays him as the Son of God who does supernatural works. I mean, if you don't know about Jesus, read Mark. It'll blow your mind with what he can do. Luke shows Jesus as the Savior, the sacrifice for all men at all times. And John reveals Jesus as the eternal Son of God, revealed through the man, Christ Jesus. So as we look at these things, I want us to cover some of the things that they talked about in the book of John in particular. It's interesting to note that the last week of Jesus' life is one-third of the book of Matthew. You may not have known that. It's huge. It's approximately one-third of the book of Mark one-fourth of the book of Luke, and one-half of the book of John. It's amazing the detail that all four gospel writers gave to the last week of Jesus' life. Each one of them present him as Christ, Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Son of God, the perfect sacrifice for our sin, and the Redeemer of all humanity. But when you read John, he places special emphasis upon the deity of Jesus Christ. All of the writers talk about him cleansing the temple after the triumphant entry, which is the second time he did that when he came to Jerusalem. All of the writers talk about the taxes, whether it's legal to pay taxes to Caesar. They talk about the fig tree that was cursed and then died and the illustration that was there. Some give the parable of the wicked servants which was a parable reflecting how the Jews treated Jesus. Then that some of them give the parable of the talents, which had to do with giving, not just of our money, but of our lives. Some record the parable of the ten virgins, five who were ready, five who were not, and the significance of not being ready to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. One records the story of the widow's might, 
the smallest offering ever given, but Jesus said it was greater than the huge amounts of sums the rich people were putting in the offering. Some record the, the signs of his return in the last days. Mark also records the power of prayer and how it's hinged on our forgiving those who have offended us. Powerful, mighty truths are conveyed in the last week of Jesus' life. So look with me to John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 is where we're going to begin today. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Did you catch that phrase? As I have loved you. How did he love you and me? Unconditionally. Without any prequalifications whatsoever. When you and I were lost, when we were enemies to God, when we were strangers and cut off from the promises of heaven, Jesus chose to love you and me. He said, love one another as I have loved you. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I want you to understand something. When we're reading this scripture, Jesus isn't talking about a smile and a handshake. It's much, much deeper than that. If we love one another, we want to be in relationship with one another. We want to walk with one another. We want to talk with one another. We want to exchange what we know about Christ with others and vice versa. You see, when we love as Jesus loved, we don't look down our nose at anyone. We don't divide the church by race or by gender. We don't divide the church by socioeconomic status. We don't divide the church by the color of our skin. Jesus loved unconditionally, and you and I should as well. Love the way you're shouting now. Thank you. We should love as Jesus loved, and that's without qualifications. I'm speaking to someone today, either in this room or online, and you need to know you're not too far from God. Your sin is not such that he can't forgive. He's reaching out and he's calling you today. Friend, that goes to the lowest of the drunk or the alcoholics who are absolutely in the gutter, to the rich, the wealthy, and the famous. He loves unconditionally. And you and I should never set one above another. But the cross becomes equal ground for each and every one of us. Love as I have loved you, which is absolutely unconditionally. And when we see that and we see a brother or a sister fall, then we don't talk about them. We don't gossip about them. We don't shake our fingers at them. But Paul says, restore them in a spirit of gentleness and bring them back into the kingdom of God. You know, the problem with the church or one of the problems is that when someone washes out or falls or sins, we write them off. We say, well, they must have never been saved in the first place, so that wouldn't have happened. It's kindergarten theology. We need to understand we are men wrapped in a human flesh, subject to the temptations that assail every one of us. And the only way we conquer those is through the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. So when we fail, we don't need someone condemning us. We need someone lifting us up. We don't need someone gossiping about us. We need someone praying for us. And may I tell you, a prayer list is not a gossip sheet. 
Nothing irritates me any more than I send out a prayer request and then I hear later people talking about things that were not in it, embellishing. By the way, that's a lie. Just so you know, that's lying. And if I'm not mistaken, the Bible says all liars have their place in hell. Oh yeah, this is going right home, I can tell it. You're going to share this message with everybody in the world because it's so wonderful to you. No, we are ministers of reconciliation. And as we have been reconciled to Christ, we should reconcile others to him as well. Love one another. The second thing that Jesus said is, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. There is no other way to the Father. May I tell you very clearly, Allah is not the way to the Father. When you follow false religions and false teachings, you inherit a false eternity. There are only two destinies for mankind when we pass from this life. Number one, when we know Jesus is our Lord and Savior, then we're going to reside with Him forever in the heavenlies. And it's there He wipes the tears from our eyes. It's there. There's no sickness and there's no pain and there's no sorrow. It's there that we have the promise of eternal joy and living with the King of Kings forever and ever and ever. The other option? It's hell. It's not for a moment, it's for eternity as well. Where the worm dieth not, the scripture says, where torments continue all the time. My friend, I've got to tell you, if you're on the fence or you're thinking about serving Jesus, you need to come to him today so you escape the destiny of hell's fires. That's the only way out. Your good works aren't going to do it. Your good looks aren't going to do it. Your great education will not accomplish it. The only way to change your eternal destiny from hell to heaven is through the man, Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There is no other way. Look to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6 with me. <coughs> Pardon me. The scripture says these words to us. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, this is a favorite funeral text when we want to bring comfort to individuals about eternity and what's happened through the grave. But it should also be a source of great encouragement, strength, and comfort to you and I. There is a prize to win. There is a race to run. There is a faith to keep. And when we do it, there will be laid up for us a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give us on that day. He was on to say in verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And listen to verse 3. If I go... And prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And then Thomas said in verse 5, it's not in the slides. But he said, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? If we don't know where we're going, how can we know the way? My friend, listen to me. If you don't have your compass set on Jesus Christ, if your true north is not on the promises of God and the word of God, then you do not know the way. And at that point, any old path will get you where you're going because you don't know where you're going. 
But when you understand what Jesus said, look at it in verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. People have said, well, Christianity excludes so many people. No, Christianity welcomes everyone. The problem is the church has been so divided over silly things that are not in the Word of God, over pet doctrines and beliefs and ideologies, over race, over culture and language. Folks, it's time to put that garbage behind us and declare we are servants of the Most High God and He knows the way and we're following Him. (coughs) I said it once, I'll say it again. When you follow false gods, when you listen to false teaching, and may I tell you, everything in the New Age movement is false teaching. It's designed to pull you away from God and into the throes of Satan. Every religion on the face of the planet that doesn't acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the sacrifice for all mankind, does not lead you to the Father. Doesn't matter how religious you are, how many churches you've joined, how faithful your grandmother was. If you don't know him, it's exclusionary. See, in one sense, Christianity is very inclusive. But in another, it is exclusionary. There are not many roads to God. There's one way to God. There are not many truths. There are one truth. There are not many books that lead you to Christ. There is one, and it's called the Holy Bible. We've got to come to the place where we accept that and recognize that. See, I said it, it's not Allah that gets you to heaven, it's Elohim. It is not Muhammad that gets you to heaven, it is El Shaddai. We've got to understand his name is Adonai, Lord. His name is Yahweh. His name is Yeshua. And when we hear his name and follow the teachings associated with Jesus Christ, that way leads us to eternal life. There are no other ways. There are no other roads. There are no other options. Well, you just excluded a lot of people. No. Anyone who comes to him is received. Anyone who comes to him is welcomed. Anyone that comes to him finds life and hope and forgiveness. We believe this Bible is inclusive to everyone who believes. But to those who reject him, to those who refuse to acknowledge him, to those who never ask him to be the Lord and Savior of their life, then yes, it's exclusive. We've got to understand those two differences. Because this is something you will hear every single day at work or in your neighborhood and sometimes even in your family. Because they don't understand the difference between whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the difference between the one who refuses to bow his knee and acknowledge the name above all names and confess him as their Lord and Savior. As believers, we have got to be able to have our life grounded on the Word of God so in that falsehood, that false teaching, that lie from the pit of hell begins to float from someone's life, we can stand up and say, wait a minute, let me talk to you about Jesus. Let me talk to you about Jesus. You know what he did? He touched lepers, the outcast, and he healed them. You know what he did? He opened blinded eyes. He made the lame to walk. 
You know what he did? He went to Perea, which was all Arabs and Gentiles, and preached the gospel to them. Oh no, he is not excluding you. He's opened his arms wide on the cross, and he says, whosoever comes will receive. You've got to be able to understand that and explain it to those around you. Eternal preparation. He is the only way to the Father. Number three, he gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. He goes on to say this, If you love me, keep my commandments. Now pray the Father, he'll give you another helper, then he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, that's Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells in you and will be with you. And I love that last verse. I will not leave you orphans. In the context of going back to heaven, he's saying to the disciples and to you and me, there is one coming that will be your comforter, that will be your teacher, that will be your guide, that will lead you into pathways of righteousness. And that one is Holy Spirit. He's here to reside within us and to lead us and guide us and direct us. Think about it, John 14, 25, he says, He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance that I have spoken to you. Holy Spirit is a teacher. If we'll open our hearts and we'll listen, He will teach us. He says in John 15, 26, 27, He will testify of me and you will testify of me. People say so often, well, I just don't have the courage to tell somebody about Jesus. It's not your problem. The problem is you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you. Because when Holy Spirit lives in you, He takes that shyness away. And at the moment in time, when you're given opportunity to speak a word of life, then He gives you the words to say. Oh, come on, friend. It's time to stop leaning on the arm of flesh and lean on the arm of God. It's time to stop reasoning things out, you know, through the years. And, and I'm not knocking these things. They're all good. But we have been through all kinds of evangelism programs. But what we need to know, the true evangelist, is Holy Spirit. And when he begins speaking through our lives, he cuts to the quick and gets to the point of the matter. He says in John 16, 13, he will guide you into all truth. Why do we need Holy Spirit? Because there's a lot of confusion in the world today. And without Him, we fall subject to that confusion. But with Him, He guides us out of the chaos, out of the confusion, out of those things that are so messy, into the light of Jesus Christ and into all truth. And then He tells us in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, I am the true vine. My father, is the far My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. That's a powerful statement. He said, every branch that doesn't bear fruit, what is fruit? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Look it up and read it. For the fruit of the Spirit is. Everyone who does not bear fruit will be cut off and cast away. What does that tell me? It tells me in the context of modern religion, we substitute church attendance for fruit. 
We substitute tithing and giving for fruit. Now listen to me, those things flow out of your relationship with Christ, but those things don't define your relationship with Christ. What defines it? What's the fruit he's speaking of? It's the Holy Spirit moving in us and developing godly character so that we can live a godly life and be a light to those around us. So many people are burned out and frustrated with the church because they have never seen a believer bearing fruit. Wow. He goes on to say, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. In other words, there are no lone rangers in Christianity. You got to be connected. You got to be a part of the vine. The life of Christ has to flow through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you disconnect, then you are not a part of the vine. Powerful words. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Do you see the word picture he's painting? He says in the Gospels that there are those who will come to him and say, but Lord, Lord, we did miracles, we did signs and wonders, we did all these things in your name. And he says, I never knew you, depart from me. When you read the last week of Jesus' life in all four of the Gospels, it will blow your mind. It will destroy your faulty thinking. It will pull down the stuff you have learned in church that has no root and no basis in the kingdom of God. I challenge you, this next two weeks, would you read the last week of Jesus Christ in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and let the Holy Ghost talk to you. Change your life. It says in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. He didn't say my father is glorified because you do many mighty works. Because miracles occur through your prayer. Because you've seen demonics released and freed. He said by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Wow. We think about this. And we have to come to the place where we say true fruit is obedience to the word of God and nothing less. True fruit is allowing Holy Spirit to grow within us and respond to His voice and promptings. Every time we run through what Holy Spirit is saying, we're hurting the heart of God. Yet so many times we are so stuck in our personal opinions and preferences, beliefs that have been taught for years that are incorrect, that we ignore the voice and the promptings of Holy Spirit. If you're going to bear fruit, you've got to hear the voice of the Spirit and obey the voice of the Spirit. Then He grows fruit in your life. It requires total surrender of your will to His will. It means laying down everything that I think that defines me so that he can define me. i got to tell you this this morning. We think the world has an identity crisis. We think the world thinks there's all kinds of genders, not just two. Do you know where that started? It started in the church. I'm not sure I understand you. Are you kidding me? We have based our identity on titles. 
I'm a prophet. I'm an apostle. I'm an evangelist. And on and on we go. Titles. We all want titles. When I came here, I told you, I don't care about titles. You can call me Steve. You can call me pastor. Call me whatever you want to call me. I don't care as long as you call me for dinner, right? But because we've put so much emphasis on titles, we don't have our identity centered in Jesus Christ. Now, you may operate in one of those gifts because he said that we will. But that's not who you are. Who are you? You're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You are redeemed, born again, set free, kicking the devil in the teeth. You are full of the Holy Ghost. You are the presence and the power of God in a darkened world. You are a light set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. Oh, somebody, do you know who you are? Because when we know who we are, it resolves all the conflict out there. I'm telling you, there's a lot of folks that are fed up with the church because they're fed up with church people. The hypocrisies, the emphasis upon title and position. Yeah, we have a gender crisis, an identity crisis in the church. And until we know who we are, we're never able to change the confusion that's in the world today. I'm just going to pause here and say it. It doesn't matter who you think you are or what identity you identify with and claim to be yours. It doesn't matter if you're transitioning or have transitioned. There is a place in the family for you. The only place you will find freedom, forgiveness, and fulfillment is in Jesus Christ. How many times have you read the studies that say those that transition thinking they would find happiness are more miserable and the suicide rate spikes among that group because it wasn't what they thought. Well, I've come to tell you, when I preach Jesus, when I tell you about Jesus, He is everything and even more than I tell you He is. He is marvelous and amazing and wonderful. He's the Prince of Peace, the Great Counselor. He's my healer, my deliverer, my strength. He is my peace. He is my joy. He is my encouragement. Oh, somebody, it's time to say, I know who I am because I know whose I am. His name is Jesus. Jesus. We don't care what your background is. Come to Christ. Because this is what I know. If you'll bow your knee before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and confess your sins, He will take out that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. He'll speak life to you. His promises will then hover over and cover you. And from that day on, you will never, never, never be the same. When you connect to the vine, you bear fruit. When you connect to the vine, you bear fruit. Fruit is the proof of discipleship. Let me say it this way. Fruit is the proof that we're following Jesus Christ. And if there's no fruit in our life, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It's a sure sign we're not following Christ, we're following man's religion. And when that day comes that you stand before God, you're going to say, but God. And he's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. If you're not connected to the vine, you're cut off and thrown in a pile to be burned. 
That's what he says. What a powerful statement. And then lastly, he says there is a reward for endurance. John chapter 16, verses 21 through 24. A woman, when she's in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. You know why I like to say that? Don't tell me about the labor pains. Show me the baby. Show me the baby. Because that's the goal, the end result of a woman being pregnant is to bring a new life. Don't tell me how long you're in labor. Show me the baby. Oh, that's your man and you don't even understand. Probably true. I will not argue that with you. I do not believe a man can carry a child. So I'm not arguing that with you. I'm simply saying, focus on the outcome. Focus on the promise. Focus on what's delivered. And he goes on to say in verse 22, there you now have sorrow. But I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one can take from you. And in that day, you will ask of me nothing. Most assuredly, I said to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Tom, would you come back, please? Begin playing that song, I Speak Jesus. It's time to recognize today that the last week of Jesus' life was filled with powerful, relevant teaching to you and I. The book of Mark, he says, I'm speaking plainly to you, his disciples, not in parables, but I'm speaking plainly. See, the last week of his life, he wanted to make sure that everyone knew and understand, understood who he was and what he was willing to do and what he actually did. So today he's speaking plainly to you and me. He's speaking plainly to those of you who are watching online. Holy Spirit is here to call you, to convince you, to convict you, and to bring you into the family of God. He's speaking plainly. No mistakes, no voices of confusion, no chaos. He's speaking peace to you today, and he's speaking plainly. Stand your feet with me across this room, please. In the last 30 minutes, God has taken what he began in worship, and he's driven it into your heart and into your life. Some of you in this room, he is convicting you of your sin. And this is your day of salvation. Some of you, he's convicting for your lack of faith. And he's telling you, come unto me. Some of you, he's saying, right now, I have what you need. I am Jehovah Jireh. I have what you need. Tom's going to sing this song through one time. Uh, Anna Cal, Yvonne. Joale's one, Eric and Dietrich. Would you all come? Elders and deacons come and just line up across here, please. Number one, as Tom sings, if you're in this room and you need Christ to forgive you, God to change your life and transform you, then as he sings, step out and come. 
We're going to meet you right here. We're going to pray for you. And Christ will change your life today by the power of his name. Secondly, if you have a need that you can't resolve and you can't meet, then I invite you to come. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's mental. Whatever the need may be, as he begins to sing, step out and come. And let's let God do his work in our lives. Let's let the word of Jesus be true in and over us today. Sing it out, Tom. You come. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.